0: Welcome to the Elephant in the Room, made by Bibora. Um I'm Bora. We're gonna talk about the elephants in the room in our industry, in the textile industry, in the design industry, from the yarn suppliers, machine suppliers to the manufacturers that work together with the brands and the designers, and how are we gonna do it better? How are we gonna make sure that we move in a Good direction and transparent direction and sustainable direction. And you're going to hear it all here. Uh, We're going to start straight from Milan. Milan Design Week 2023. Hope you enjoy it and thank you for listening. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room, episode five.
1: Hello, everyone. Yeah. yeah, my name is Amber J. Slouten. I'm co-founder and creative director of The Fabricants. We are a digital-only fashion house and we create clothing that is always digital and never ever physical. And we want to create a new voice for fashion. So we want to use technology to bring the whole industry forward. And we want to create um, new narratives
2: using this kind of technology. So you were originally trained as a conventional fashion designer, right? Can you share something with us about how you embarked on the journey towards the digital realm?:
1: Yeah, sure, yeah, um, so basically, like my background is traditional fashion, so I, I was educated as a traditional fashion designer, did everything the way uh, I was supposed to, entered fashion school because I was so obsessed with what fashion could do and what clothing could do to a human being and how it could change your identity. And then when I entered fashion school, I heard about the horrors of the fashion industry, um, which was, I think, around 2015, this gigantic factory collapsed and we got like the documentary, The True Cause, and there was just a lot going on at that moment uh, where I felt like as a young fashion designer, I don't want to contribute to this pile of waste that is already there. How am I going to create something where I can still express myself and for me, digital technology was the answer, and we had this kind of really beautiful, um, yeah, it, online digital technology. It's cool that we could explore, and the funny thing was that it was only meant to never, like, only meant to be printed. So you could create your digital garment, and then you would have to print it and make it in real life. So you could use the kind of technology to see what it looked like before you would make it. Um, but I, I, I asked this question, like, do we still even need to make it? Like, could we also wear it digitally since our lives are becoming more digital every day? Like, how could we use the technology to dress ourselves in digital clothing? And that's when I started questioning the traditional system. And a lot of my teachers actually were not very happy <laughs> with me going this route because it, it, they didn't really know how to judge me or where to put me in. They don't really fit into any boxes. and you know, are you a fashion designer or are you, um, you know, a content creator? Are you an artist? You know, there's not a lot of places, you know, because you don't make physical garments. So where are you? And um, also a lot of my classmates were like, hey, uh, you walk around with your laptop uh, and I have to carry 10 bags of clothing. Is that really fair? So immediately then already the questions started coming and in the end, they gave me the space to graduate, which was great, so I had to, the opportunity to graduate from uh, Amsterdam Fashion Institute. Um, and two years later, we started the Fabricant Digital Fashion House with my co-founders. Um, my co-founder, Kerry Murphy, he really believed in the idea because he came from a 3D animation background and for him, traditional film was like uh, already digitized and he really saw that happening for fashion. So he saw how the mobile phone literally revolutionized uh, film and photography, and now everybody is a content creator, uh, while in the past nobody could be, and we really see that in the future everybody can be a fashion designer and design their own garments really easily with whatever fantasy they have, so it, the technology unleashes th- this massive wave of creativity, which we are, yeah, extremely excited about.
2: So, if I'm not mistaken, your um, your first dress was also the first dress that Entered the blockchain, right?
1: Yeah. So the first dress we ever sold um, for uh, money was uh, yeah a dress that was located on the blockchain. So basically, this means like who is who knows what blockchain is? Yeah. Okay. It's really complicated to understand. So (laughs) I also understand if you don't um, but yeah it's basically like a system where you can verify digital objects and digital items so before this like you could endlessly copy um, you know JPEX or whatever files you can endlessly copy them and with blockchain you create unique code per the item that you're creating and um, this company who sold pictures of cats uh, came to us and the cats pictures went for like 120 K at that time. And we were like, wow, people are paying $120,000 for a picture of a cat. What's going on here? You know. And this really sparked our interest to what you could do with digital collectibles and digital wearables. Because obviously our garments until then didn't have much value other than that people could just endlessly copy them. And I think with blockchain, the beauty is that you can verify that it's just that unique item. So that company of the pictures of the cats came to us and said, hey, do you want to design something together? And that's when we said, sure, it sounds amazing. And we designed a a dress for them where we used their their pictures of cats and actually smudged them into the design. It's kind of a little, um, yeah, how do you say that? Easter egg that nobody really knows about. Uh, But when the garment got sold, it sold for $9,500 dollars. And, for, yeah, and it was absolutely crazy because nobody really understood why a dress that doesn't exist could sell for $9,500. Back then it was 54 ETH, so who knows what, what's the worth of Ethereum right now? Not really any people who are specialized in <laughs> oh, this, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, uh, Ethereum right now is about 2,000 euros uh, an Ethereum, so we sold it for 54 Ethereum, so it's like really a crazy high amount now if you, you know, count it back. Back then it was 9,500 dollars. And um, someone paid money for that and he bought it for his wife, who wore it on her Instagram. So she was able to wear it on her Instagram. And he still owns it. He still owns this this piece of, of garment on um, a hardware wallet, which is basically like a USB stick kind of, where you encrypt your digital collectible, digital wearable. And uh, this absolutely shocked the entire fashion industry. We were world news, like for you know at least a, like a half a year. People kept on coming in, like, wow, what the hell? People actually paid money for this? Like, how is that even possible? And um, people were also really angry. They were like, why? (laughs) You know, is this what the world has come to? You know, do we really pay money for something that doesn't exist? And then for me, that is always such a funny question because we've been doing that for ages, right? Also in gaming, it's really common that kids these days just buy things with credit cards, like collectibles. It's not a new idea, Right? A lot of people have already done this for years and years and years. And, and what about even something like Spotify? We pay for our digital music, right? We don't pay for our physical LPs anymore. They are all digital. So that's really where, this, where we see the future going, you know, where we could just have our wardrobe in our pocket and we could just wear whatever we own uh,
2: with that kind of mentality of, of switching it around. Yeah. Celebrate the art of dressing up with exactly. endless possibilities, yeah, I wish
1: I could come here without a suitcase honestly <laughs> like <laughs> it's such a hassle, and I always have to wait And you know, and maybe I feel different at the end of the night now I have to go back to my hotel to get dressed again, and blah, but yeah, if you have digital looks it's way easier to to get dressed and to change your identity and to switch that around so yeah it's a, it's a different way of, of looking at things, yeah. And what does your digital wardrobe look like? How many pieces do you own? (laughs) Well, I have quite a lot because all the projects that we do, of course, I mint them as well. So minting means you put it on the blockchain. So whenever you mint something, it's actually put on the blockchain. So this means it's verified and you will forever see that back in the transactions. So the beauty of blockchain, actually, is that it's totally open, so everybody is able to see my transactions. So it is kind of anonymous, but if you know my code, you can see whatever I I bought, basically. And this is really revolutionary technology, because right now, you can ask your bank, like, what is the transactions, but nobody is going to give you the transactions, right? Because it's all secret, and nobody wants to know what the banks are doing. So like, um, this technology could really open things up. Um, but yeah, obviously every time uh, there's a project that we do, i mint a garment because you know, it's amazing to see that coming together. And um, I have quite some looks that I can wear in the central end and some other stuff yeah, that I can wear as AR filters. And if you guys wanna try some stuff out, like come to me
2: afterwards and then we can wear some digital clothing together. Oh, wow. I'll definitely see you at the end in that case. <laughs> um, so, with regards to um, using the platform, uh, let's say I would walk up to you after this talk and I would ask you, I'm really curious if I can like translate my current outfit to a digital outfit, but maybe tweak it. I don't know, add some yellow polka dots, a little red fluffy trim... How would we work together?
1: I love that. It <laughs> sounds amazing.
2: Yeah, I think um,
1: right now, um, the tools that we are creating are basically re- really meant for people to come into our ecosystem in a very easy way. So the things that are existing are usually things that we have created or that creators have created, so that when you come on, you can just pick and choose you know, what you like. But if you really want to get deep into actually recreating your look, the best thing to do is knowledge, like get some knowledge on um, uh, what 3D clothing uh, creation means. So this could be the software that we're using, for instance. We have a lot of tutorials on this on our in our community, and we have a massive Discord channel that helps everybody out. So if any any time you want to learn digital fashion, you can come to us, and we have this Discord channel where you can learn a lot of things and ask the peers to actually help you out because you can't do this alone. I mean. I did it myself, but I also had some tutorials and people helping out, so that's really important. Um, but there is ways that there are ways that are developing right now that are based off AI. So if you would want to generate this look, for instance, in 3D, or you want someone else to wear it, or for instance, a dinosaur to wear your look, you know, maybe that's something to generate, right? Where you just put it in AI, and you ask it to generate. This, could, this Anybody can do that, basically, now, because the, the technology exists, so it doesn't have to go via us. If you want to create it as a real 3D garment, that's when you need to kind of understand the software, and in the future, The idea is that anybody can upload their looks and and collections on our platform and can sell it through our technology so that they are able to also monetize their craft and, um, yeah, basically create an ecosystem where everybody gets to join.
2: Yeah. Any questions, by the way, before I uh, jump in with another one?
1: Can you uh, talk to us more about that? ecosystem you want to create to bring all this materials makers craftsmen and fashion together yeah sure i think that's our our grand vision so that's i would love to talk about that um it's really where we see a new industry being born and before we started the fabricant Like, digital fashion industry didn't exist. Like, it was not even a term, right? Nobody knew what digital fashion was. And what we try to do is everything that we do, we believe that others can do too. And we want to create the tools for them to join us in the movement. And that's why we are developing these tools to easily upload your garments, so anything that you are creating, so that you can actually start selling those in mini shops in the environment that we are creating. So soon brands, but also independent designers can come to us and sell their garments on our platform in their little mini shops. But there could be garment creators, but there could also be material creators, because a lot of people actually design really beautiful art but are not necessarily fabric or are not necessarily clothing designers. So the beauty of this is that people can upload their art and actually people could use that to put the art on top of the garments. And when that garment gets sold, um, then everybody gets the same profit. So the idea is that everybody can remix everybody's stuff, which is something that hasn't really happened before, right? Where you get, um, you know, a Gucci giving their fabric out um, so everybody can use it. I mean, the amazing thing, of course, is that this kind of, outsourcing of the technology for other people to use it, something that Baibor has been doing now as well, which is really incredible, where people could actually use the technology to create their own stories. And that's what we also really believe in, in this kind of distribution of um, value across the entire chain and also distribution of creativity across everyone, which I think is, is really important because I'm not the one deciding what you should look like You know, that's, I think, very traditional fashion where you say, okay, the next season is going to be this color and everybody wears this color. But, like, honestly, I don't care about that. I care about what you want to say and what your story is. And that's what I want to facilitate on the platform where everybody can join and and tell their their own stories. Does
2: that make sense? So you're incredibly young and a pioneer in an industry that you more or less helped create. Um, I was wondering... Are there any major obstacles that you had to overcome in your creative journey? Oh, totally, so many.
1: <laughs> Honestly, it always looks like uh, such a nice story from the outside, right? Where you're like, oh yeah, I'm so, you know, there's, it's been like a rocket, you know, we got investment of 14 million and like crazy stuff, but you don't really see the heart sheds, you know, in, in social media. And I think I always love to talk about these because this is what made me as a human being. Um, so there was an exhibition, for instance, that we had to create, which was the first time where we would use AR into an exhibition. And I thought way too simply about this. And I thought, oh, we're just going to do it. It's fine. And two days before the exhibition, there was nothing. No stand was working. Nothing was going right. Everything was really crazy. And it was one of the hardest moments where I had to really look at myself like, oh, I fucked up. And it was really sad that I actually disappointed people. But what it taught me is that um, it's okay to fuck up, you know, and and you're not dying. So, you know, as a perfectionist, (laughs) I always think if I fuck up, I die. But honestly, it was really good to see that I'm still alive, you know, and I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a major moment. Uh, But also, um, recently, uh, the market has really shifted. So the crypto market used to be very, very booming uh, two years ago and one and a half years ago it was really insane. People were getting crazy investments, like everybody was investing in the Metaverse. As you might know, Facebook changed its name to Meta, you know, there was this whole craze on the Metaverse where everybody was super keen on investing in this kind of companies. And we were obviously one of those companies which people thought was extremely were extremely promising. And the thing is, we got our investment, which was really amazing, we hired a lot of people, which is wonderful. But at some point, when the market went really down, um, so we had the whole drama of FBX, where this major crypto exchange uh, got uh, bankrupt because there was a lot of fraud, and a lot of people lost their money, like, a lot of people lost a lot of money. And this was a huge downturn for the industry. And this meant that we actually had to shift our gear and we talked to our investors and they said, listen guys, you cannot continue the way you're doing. You have to cut costs. And this was the first time as uh, an entrepreneur, I had to make really tough decisions. Together with the team, we talked like for weeks about what we're supposed to do about this. But when you live in a market that is so volatile and so new, sometimes these things happen. And you have to make very, very hard decisions. So in the end, we had to let go of 11 people. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. To sit there and to really talk to them and to say that to their faces, you know, because what we create is such a almost a religion, right, It becomes part of people's identity. And when they work with us, they're part of the family. So this was, for me, like, yeah, a really massive learning where, obviously, I know that these kind of things are like breakups, you know, in the end, people find their ways and, you know, they'll find a better way, you know, and maybe there's some stuff that you don't know about that they will find. But obviously, in the moment, it's extremely hard. But this is part of innovating. This is part of, of creating something new. And it has actually created more resilience within the team to um, be extra motivated, to work extra hard for all the people that you know, couldn't join us anymore and to really show that we could get it off the ground and make it
2: into a massive success. So juggling entrepreneurship while being an empath...
1: Yeah, it's really hard. It's hard. (laughs) I can tell you, yeah. But it can go hand in hand. Yeah, it can go. And I think as a fabricant, we really believe that business is also emotions. And this is something that not a lot of companies really believe because obviously yeah, business is business, blah, blah, blah. But as a company, we are um, two women founders, one man. And actually... Um Kerry, who is the man founder, he's actually more emotional than the both of us, I have the feeling sometimes, you know, so, and we're all really emotional, basically, the three of us are really emotional people. And I really believe that that's also kind of our strength in the way we operate because we wanna create a space where everybody feels accepted and also where, uh, yeah, we can facilitate growth uh, not just on uh, a career scale but also on a personal level. So we really try to facilitate anything for people to develop themselves, leadership courses, whatever they wanna do. And we really helped them in their path. So also when they left, some of them left, we also really, you know, help them in their path, recommending them to all kinds of places and really supporting them still because they're still part of, you know, once a fabricant, they're always a fabricant, and that's how we say it.
2: Is there like a universal trait or skill that you look for in everyone that you hire for the fabricant? Yeah, I think an entrepreneurial spirit
1: um, is really important. And also the drive to want to change the system. I think that's also massively important to add to the mix. Um, it's all very, very new. Like everything that we are creating is really new, and you need to have a resilience in that it, it's not going to be the same every day. And There will be a lot of pressure, and we don't know how tomorrow will be, what tomorrow will be like, right? So it's a very volatile place, and you have to be kind of ready for that uh, challenge because it's not, it's not always fun, you know, when you got deadlines and things going on, um, and investors and, and everything. But it is worth it because a lot of times you are creating things that nobody has ever done before, right? This digital dress. Nobody ever did that. And I think that's the kind of narratives that we love creating, is the stuff that nobody really thinks about, but we could already push with technology and really create this new narrative for people to um, yeah, create new visions for what fashion could be.
2: Any questions from the audience?
1: You explained that <clears throat> that the people would own then the, the digital design or like a photo and so on. But when you talked about the garments, that they would place a garment in, for. Yeah, will it be then converted into a real product later on or, or is it you own the design of the garment? Yeah, good question. So we actually don't facilitate anything creating real products because we want to prove that with this technology we could sell digital items. That's mm-hmm. kind of the whole vision. But obviously it could be created in real life. There, the technology is there for you to actually, uh, for instance, produce this on demand. So if you have all of the patterns that you created in 3D, you could print them out and create the garments, if you would want to. But this depends on how crazy your design is. I mean, if you have, you know, a jacket made out of waterfalls, obviously you can't really create that, you know, in real life. But, um, you know, if you have a, something like this, like a jacket, you could still create that in real life. and that is possible if you would want that. So there is a beautiful click-in with other technologies where you could use this technology to actually see what the designs would look like and then produce them and things like that. So there is multiple use cases for this. and We choose to actually go the digital-only route, which has been many times um, questioned by a lot of people, but we believe that we want to hold
2: true to that vision to prove um, that we can. So another question from me um, related to the book the new style, I wanted to ask you, what is the new style according to you? What is your take on the current wave of Dutch creativity? I think it's so innovative. Honestly, this book, um,
1: you know, if you look through it, you can see that there's so many different angles of Dutch creativity. It's so diverse. And um, I'm so, yeah, kind of proud to be a part of that group because it's really insane, you know, what everybody's creating. And I feel like there is this kind of sense of... um, always questioning the status quo within Dutch design, where it's not a given that you say a certain thing or that you do a certain thing, but you always try to question what it actually does and then try to reinvent what it could be. And I think that's the beauty of of Dutch design because it's simple, yet it is something really inventive and that's very different from, I think, a lot of the, the other stuff. And yeah, I would definitely recommend anybody looking through the book because there's
2: a lot of innovation there. Thank you. One final question before we wrap this presentation up. Um, I know that you spoke a little bit
0: about this earlier, but um, in regards to the actual design process, how much of it is directly super technical pattern making and how much is using programs like AI to render, you know, and sort of fill in the gaps of the creation?
1: Yeah, good question. I think it's going to shift very soon. Right now, it's still quite technical. So if you want to learn 3D design, you have to have some pattern knowledge in order to put together a garment. But there is already, um, you know, people who can actually create and generate uh, 3D garments um, out of code, which is also something I've been coming, seen coming by. So there's this creator, uh, Video Orbit, she's amazing, she does really cool stuff. She has created a platform called Code Couture, where you can actually generate a garment from just code basically. And I think that's going to start coming more because, obviously, it's not a very democratic way of operating if the software is so difficult to learn. So that's why I think, um, you know, whenever there's going to be systems that we can generate with, uh, that's going to be of massive benefit. And the same you see happening in AI at the moment. You can generate a fashion image out of nothing, And I think that is something that is going to really create massive uh, scale and adoption for creativity without needing to have these really complicated um, computers that are able to render things or able to kind of um, calculate all of these different calculations. Soon the technology will exist that you can just, you know, from just writing one sentence, you can generate a look. And I think that is, you know, what is coming, um, but yet still in the making.
0: Do you see those hard technical skills becoming obsolete with this kind of technology where you don't have to have that really advanced technical knowledge of how to create a pattern from scratch, you can just sort of tell the computer what you want it to look like? Do you see that like shift making that skill obsolete or do you see it still serving a purpose?
1: I think it really depends on what you're looking for. So there could be that you want a really tailored piece, you know, who looks very, you know, extensive, where you can sculpt around the body. So I like to work in this way, basically, is where I have this avatar, and I sculpt around the body, and I just like use the digital fabric to, you know, kind of sculpt something, and for that I need my pattern knowledge because I love using that. But I can see that technology completely disappearing as well. So, um, from in the future, if you can generate that, you know, why would you still need to create that handcraft things? But I think it will exist next to each other. You know, where you can use it for different use cases. But if you want to really generate something fast, you know, obviously you can use the technology to do that very fast. And maybe. AI is actually able to generate a better fit than you can with your pattern skills. So obviously I have no idea where it's going to go, but I do see the pattern skills as something important that needs to be translated, Um, but I don't know how far it can be generated and how far it can be translated in a proper way. I I can see that totally uh, happening for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
2: Let it all marinate all this all these words of wisdom. Thank you so much for your time and for being here on behalf of the new style. And we'll be uh, be back in a few. Thank you.
0: Thank you you for your time listening to The Elephant in the Room straight from Milan Design Week. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got some pointers out of it and uh, see you next time to the next episodes. Speak later.